Well, hello. Great to be with you um, today. Uh, I want to say a special welcome to you if you're watching this on Everyday Online as well. Uh, I really enjoy my times with you. I, I love the fact that this message, you could be watching it anywhere in the world. It's a delight to be with you uh, today. Uh, my name is Andy Tuck. I, I work at Everyday Wimbledon uh, and I've uh, just started leading our morning uh, congregations here. Now, uh, today we're pressing on with our identity uh, series, and today is actually a bit of a change of, uh, change of tone. Um, today, we're kind of going to open up an interesting window on how we work uh, as a church. And by that, I don't mean like a, a building or a structure, but how we function as a people together. Specifically, like how are we led as a community of uh, believers now, particularly in a culture that is increasingly suspicious of power and authority, there's a big question of how we should approach those in leadership within our own church community. Uh, let me summarize, though, the story that we've got to so far in our identity series. We're looking at the life of a guy named uh, Jacob, who lived about 4,000 years ago in ancient Israel. And uh, we've seen from the start of his story a, a conflict that starts right at the beginning of his life between him and his twin older brother Esau. And they're struggling for God's blessing. And this is a key characteristic in all of Jacob's life. He is continuing to wrestle for God's blessing. But, something, but it's something that he already had. He already had God's blessing, but he wanted to struggle for it. And we've also seen how we can do the same that we too can struggle for God's blessing, maybe for his love, maybe you're trying to earn God's love. But we've seen that we already have everything in Jesus, including God's love and approval. Do you know, last week um, we started looking at the struggle between Laban and Jacob. So Jacob has uh, left his family home, having deceived his father Isaac and nicked Esau's uh, not only birthright, but also blessing. And he's gone to live with his uncle Laban. And we've seen how they're starting to struggle together. It's like a game of chess, that each are making a move against the other to try and get a bit of uh, domination and the upper hand, each seeking to outwit uh, the other. And we've seen that Jacob is still deceiving others, even 20 years on from uh, leaving uh, Canaan. Uh, today, our passage is Genesis uh, 30. And, and it's a passage as a whole that majors on Jacob's wives and children. Um, worth noting, actually, at this stage that this passage does not commend uh, polygamy. Uh, that is basically having more than one wife. Uh, actually, the hostility that exists at the heart of this family because of the multiple wives is actually a case study on how this is a really bad idea. But what I'd like actually to focus on today is um, something that's been undergirding the whole story of Jacob. And this is his work as a shepherd. And we find out today that actually he is really good at being a shepherd. Uh, focus in on uh, Genesis 30 verses 29 and 30. Let me read those verses to you. They say, Jacob said to him, as he's talking to Laban, his uncle, uh, you know how I've worked for you and how your livestock have fared under my care. Um, the little you had before I came has greatly increased and the Lord has blessed you um, wherever I have been. 
Now, Jacob, for all of his deceiving, actually appears to be a really good shepherd. He's basically saying, look, you had a little bit when I started shepherding for you, but look at how much you have now. Now, for us reading this story, there is a a bit of a distance, isn't there? Not only in time, but also culture. And so it's so easy, I think, for us uh, to miss the significance of this shepherding role, particularly in the ancient Near East. Actually, shepherds were a really powerful cultural symbol. Now, cultural symbols still exist for us and are really powerful, aren't they? And, And often they're powerful because they exist for us, but not elsewhere or in other times. So interestingly, say like a, culture, a powerful cultural symbol in our own time is giving flowers to express love, which is actually quite odd that we give dying flowers as a symbol of undying love. It's a cultural symbol that doesn't particularly make sense, but it's powerful to us nonetheless. And so here we are looking at shepherds. Now, now for us, um, so if you're watching this uh, in England, I know this will be particularly true uh, for you, uh, that most of our knowledge of shepherds seems to come from nativity plays. So they look a bit like this. Come on in, Michael. <laughs> now, this is, this is Michael. So he's often uh, behind the camera. He's the guy that makes online recordings uh, happen. Um, but today I've dressed him as a shepherd to show you what, uh, what we often bring to mind when we think about nativity plays. This is probably what you think of uh, when you think of shepherds. Thanks, Michael. Um, but actually, in both the Old and New Testaments in the Bible, uh, shepherding is actually a major symbol of, of leadership. Now, uh, particularly uh, in the Middle East, uh, it's interesting because of their style of shepherding there. Now, uh, in the Middle East, shepherds lead from the front. Uh, They would literally call their sheep on after them, and the sheep would follow them uh, over hills and through valleys and uh, and all sorts of places. And the shepherds would lead for a number of reasons. Uh, One would be for protection. So he's actually uh, leading the flock to be able to protect them from wild animals, so bears and wolves and even lions uh, in that uh, part of the world, uh, from things like snakes. He, he would have had to protect his flock, so he would lead from the front. But he would also want to lead his um, flock into good pasture. So in an arid, dry environment, it would have been incredibly important for the shepherd to know, hey, where is the good pasture? Where can I lead uh, my flock to find it? So within this culture, shepherding is a powerful symbol of provision and security, safety and protection. Uh, If you're familiar with the Bible, just think for a moment about how important uh, shepherding is in the lives of really key biblical leaders and how God uses it in their own lives, not only to develop them and make them as leaders, but also as a a symbol for their own leadership. So Abraham and Isaac in this part of uh, Genesis, but also think of key characters like Moses and David, key shepherds all. And so the role of the shepherd is hugely important for the well-being of the flock. And so too it is with a leader of a nation or a leader of a church. Who the shepherd is uh, dramatically affects the health of the flock. Now shepherding is a really important symbol that's used uh, in the New Testament to describe the role of Jesus, but also the role of uh, church leaders. And we're going to look at both of these uh, today. Now, I want to acknowledge here that um, some of us, if you're sat listening here um, today, like some of us would have actually been hurt in the past by bad leadership. Uh, Bad shepherding can destroy flocks. But that's why actually it's really good for us to take some time just to look at, uh, take stock basically and look at the biblical ideal of what good shepherding and what good leadership looks like. Now, there are all sorts of amazing places that we could have gone in the New Testament to help us think about this leadership uh, of churches, often that we'll call pastoring or eldership. 
Uh, but today I've picked 1 Peter 5 uh, because in it, uh, Peter draws uh, so much on this metaphor of shepherding to describe the role of church leaders. Now, I, I find this really interesting that, that Peter, in writing about our church leaders, so our elders and pastors, uh, would use shepherding as one of the primary met- the metaphors in this uh, passage. After all, think of the own, his own commission that he received from Jesus after Jesus' uh, resurrection. Uh, in that, when um, Jesus asks him three times, Peter, do you love me? Peter replies, yes, you know I do. Uh, Jesus then replies with three instructions over the questions, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Interesting then that Peter, having received this commission from Jesus to be a shepherd for God's people, would use this to describe the role of leadership within our churches for our pastors and for our elders. And what I love about this is using Peter as the example as well is that Peter was a weak and feeble man. Uh, We read in the gospel accounts of actually how many times he got it wrong. They're, They're incredibly honest about Peter. But yet this is a man that Jesus says, on this rock I will build my church. I'm incredibly encouraged by this. Another reminder of the Bible's message that God uses ordinary people. Um, He is truly an extraordinary God. So uh, Peter, towards uh, the end of his first letter to the first churches in modern-day Turkey, uh, gives instructions then on uh, those that lead churches uh, and also to those who are part of those churches and how they can act under the leadership of others. And I'd like to walk us through this passage. So uh, if, you could, uh, if you've got a Bible uh, with you, if you want to turn to 1 Peter 5, verses 1 to 7, uh, I'm also going to read it out verse by verse, picking out little bits uh, as we go along. But it will help you if you have it in front of you. We'll put the verses uh, on the screen as well as we go through. So uh, this passage starts uh, in verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Uh, To the elders among you, I appeal to you as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who will also uh, share in the glory to be revealed. Now, what I find interesting about this verse is even in this start, he says, to the elders among you. What I love about this is it talks about the plural leadership that exists at the top of any church. Actually, there is a team of leaders I find that incredibly encouraging. There is something of a community of leaders that we are aspiring, uh, aspiring to. I, I should flag here that um, I will be using the words uh, elder and pastor a bit interchangeably. They mean the same thing if you're familiar with one over the other, but I'll be using uh, both as we go through this. So here in verse 1, Peter is talking to a plural leadership in churches. Then we get to verse 2. Uh, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. So here we see Peter is basically drilling down to really instruct these leaders about who they are and what they should be. And and here in verse 2, this is a real commendation to them to lead God's people and leading for the benefit of the flock. Now, now remember the role of the shepherd is to find um, good pasture for the sheep. It's to bring them to life-giving water. It's to, to bring them to safe places suitable for all the different seasons of life, so for sheep and the health of the herd. It's things like uh, mating um, places and places to give birth to lambs and all of that. And also it's about not being forced, but being a willing servant. So an elder is not leading for their benefit but actually for the gain of the flock. 
Uh, this verse describes, um, uh, describes elders as overseers. So they are like an, an organizer, like a city official uh, coordinating lots of things. They're people that can step above a particular situation and see a bird's eye view. Uh, in verse 3, uh, Peter encourages our elders and pastors to be examples. He says that they are not, to law, uh, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. So here, what an encouragement that our elders should be examples to us. Now, it's probably true that whatever is embodied in the elders will be embodied also in the church. This is one of the reasons why our leaders are so important. But it's also why our leaders should set us really good examples in what it means to be a godly uh, man, a godly leader. Verse 4 says, uh, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Now here Peter is encouraging leaders in our churches that it is not for the applause of the congregation that they should be leading. No, no elders and pastors are working for the chief shepherd's praise, uh, not their congregations. And I, I love this description of who Jesus is, that he is the chief shepherd. Uh, but we'll get to more of that, um, we'll get to more of that later. But, but now let's um, look at what uh, we're going to look in just a moment at what Peter says about how we should respond uh, to church leadership. But before we do, I'd like to just draw in wisdom from other passages in the New Testament to flesh out this role of what uh, an elder uh, and a pastor uh, should be. Do you know, we, we summarize them uh, with, um, uh, with five Ds. Uh, we call them the five Ds of eldership. So let me run these uh, through with you quickly. Uh, the first one of these is that our elders should display godly character. This means that actually their character is more important than their skills. The, the types of men uh, that are chosen to, to lead churches actually are not necessarily based on their skills or their capabilities, but rather it's all about their character, who God has made them to be, their, um, like who they are basically when no one's looking, what they model to other people. Uh, phrases that are used in uh, verses that describe this talk about our elders being above reproach. They are moral characters. They are uh, to model for us what it means to follow Jesus and how, how we can do that, uh, to the, to, uh, do that really well. Uh, the second D is to define biblical doctrine and practice. This is basically that our elders should be those that are able to teach uh, they're those that can take truth in God's word and be able to present it in a way that's understandable and accessible. But, you know, uh, there are also warnings that come with this. Uh, James, as you see in James uh, 3 verse 1, says that not many of us should presume to be teachers uh, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Well, that's quite a warning, isn't it? But our elders should be those that define biblical doctrine and practice. The third D is to direct the mission and ministry of the church. We see that here in 1 Peter 5 verse 2. They're to be good managers. They're to be overseers. They are to point in the right direction for the flock to follow behind. Uh, the fourth D is to, de to delegate. Uh, the, the work, um, they should be able to delegate the work to capable workers who will support the work of the, the church. So overseers oversee things, but they can't do it all themselves, and nor should they. Uh, the primary example we see of this in the New Testament is uh, in Acts 6 and how the elders there appointed a whole bunch of deacons to look after the practical work of the church. Uh, the fifth D is about church discipline and disciplining church members where necessary. 
Now, I think this is one of the hardest things for elders to do uh, really well. It, it can be difficult to get right, but it's something that they're called to and it's something that we need to acknowledge is needed within our congregations, either to protect the congregations or to correct uh, wayward behavior or thoughts. So these five Ds are what our pastors are aspiring uh, to. So if that's Peter's instructions to the elders, if that's kind of a picture of what we're thinking pastors and elders should be at everyday, uh, everyday church, then what about, what about the rest of us? Well, this is what Peter comes on to in verses five, uh, 5 and 6 of this passage. Uh, let me read verse 5 to you. It says, uh, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Uh, here in verse 5, Peter is calling us to submit to our leaders. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, even the word submit can actually be quite a challenging one. Uh, at least in my own culture, um, it's quite hard for us to think about this in a, in a biblical way because in the rest of our culture, we don't um, think outside of church context and where the word submission is used. Uh, one of the primary examples that I can think of is in wrestling. And in that, to get someone to submit is to put them in a position where they can do nothing, that they are powerless to do anything. You know, do you know, I have an excellent older brother, and I loved growing up with him. Uh, and one of our favorite hobbies was actually to fight one another. And the whole aims of our fights was to get the other into a position where they couldn't do anything. So you could just go on pounding their arms or their legs so that they would eventually have to submit to you and I think it's easy for us to have this in mind when we read about submission here in the Bibles, that it's almost telling us to, um, put, uh, just, to just to take a beating, to submit, to uh, be a doormat for others to walk all over. But actually, the biblical use of the word submission is quite radically different. I mean, just think of Jesus' own example. We see in his life that he submits to others as he serves them. The example he gives us is in places like John 13 where he washes his disciples' feet. Or later in that gospel in John 19, but also in the other three, he dies for his, uh, for his followers and for all those uh, who will follow after them. This is Jesus' example of submission. That it is a not, uh, not a passive thing, but actually it's an active decision to, to serve and love someone else, to prefer their needs over your own, to, to give up so that others might have. That is what it means to uh, submit. Peter then also encourages us in, the, in this verse that we should be humble. This is that we shouldn't presume to know better than those in leadership uh, over us. Do you know, it's so easy to fall into this one. I fall into it all the time. We can hear a snippet of a decision or a conversation that someone else has made and come to a quick judgment on that without realizing that there's been a whole long conversation and they can actually see a much bigger, much bigger picture. It's easy for us to presume, that, um, presume on other people and actually not to be humble, but to be prideful. I think this is a really timely reminder of Peter that this is how we should uh, act with our leaders, that we should clothe ourselves with humility towards one uh, another. Let's be patient with one another. Uh, Peter continues with this theme of humility in verse six, where he says, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. This is basically Peter's encouraging, uh, encouragement to us that we shouldn't rush but actually we should be faithful with what God has given us to do. Uh, you may be aspiring to leadership, to eldership, to pastor a church. 
I think Peter here would encourage you that as you be faithful with what God has given you to do now, and God will raise you up in due time. He encourages us to be faithful with the little that he would give us a lot. So let's humble ourselves and work hard at what God has given us. That's Peter's encouragement uh, to us here. It's an encouragement to us uh, to be led, but also not to wait to be spoon-fed. You know, so shepherds would guide their flocks to good pasture, but they wouldn't then cut the grass themselves and feed it to the sheep. Actually, when you arrive in good pasture, hey, go and munch to your heart's content. Uh, Go and do under the leadership of whoever your shepherd is. But so we arrive then at the crescendo of these few verses in uh, verse 7. Now, the sad reality is that our leaders, our elders and our pastors actually can let us down. Uh, They're only humans after all, sinful like uh, the rest of us. Which I think is why this next verse is so, so important for us to grasp. Uh, You'll be familiar with it if you're familiar, if you've been around in church circles for a while. Uh, 1 Peter 5 verse 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now this is the most important teaching point in this whole sermon. Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Uh, Remember how Peter describes Jesus earlier in this chapter as the chief shepherd. Do you know what a shepherd he is? Jesus himself uh, uh, described himself in John 10 as the good shepherd. Any example, basically then, that we read in Scripture of any shepherds, actually we can look at their example and say, hey, Jesus is the true and better shepherd. He is the best shepherd there is. And Jesus himself often taught using shepherds as a metaphor, as a theme. And through them, we get a picture of how he leads us too. Do you know, earlier in the letter, Peter talks about how we all, like sheep, have gone astray. It's so easy for us to wander off into our own uh, plans and in our own directions. Yet in Luke 15, verses 1 to 7, Jesus describes what a good shepherd looks like. He's a shepherd that leaves 99 sheep so he can go and look for the one. Do you know, it's a bit like us, you know, going to pay a thousand pounds into the bank in 10 pound notes and counting out 10 pound notes. And we've got to, uh, we're getting to the last one. So 980, 990, and then there's no, more, no, no left. We were going to check in a thousand pounds. So we leave the 990 pounds on the, on the counter there in the bank. And we retrace our steps to go look for the 10 pound. Now that may seem like an odd thing. You're like, wow, there's so much money that you're leaving there. Actually, Jesus in communicating here is the love for us as individuals. That he's keen to pursue us wherever we have wandered off to. Uh, In John 10, uh, verses 1 to 18, Jesus says that as the good shepherd, he knows us and that he calls us by name. That he tends to us and cares for us, that he leads us. Now, where does he lead us to? Well, just like any shepherd, to a place of refreshment and of peace, of good pasture. Uh, Think about Psalm 23, uh, Uh, A psalm that King David wrote to describe his relationship with the Lord as his shepherd. And he writes this from verse 1 onwards. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. 
for you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I love, I love these verses that describe so tenderly Jesus' role for us as a shepherd who goes ahead of us, that even as we follow him, even through the darkest valley, actually we'll fear no evil because we're following after him. And he has a rod and a staff that can comfort us. You know, in John 10, Jesus also talks about his role as a shepherd of laying down his life for his sheep. He contrasts that with a hired hand uh, who would run away at the first sign of danger. Instead, Jesus describes himself as someone who loves us to death. So, cast all your anxieties upon him, our chief and good shepherd. And especially if it feels like your life is like a dry valley at the moment and you're wondering where God is uh, leading you to, where Jesus is leading you to. I don't know if you've ever spent time in a desert. Uh, a couple of years ago, I visited Israel. And it's an, it, there are parts of it that are incredibly dry and arid. And you can just imagine walking through valleys where it would just be dry, not a hint of uh, vegetation, where you would be looking around at your circumstances, thinking you're hot, you're hungry, you're thirsty. Actually, if you don't find water and good food, man, you are in real danger. At that moment, you have to put your trust in whoever's leading you and the shepherd. I wonder if your life feels a bit like that, that you're wandering through a dry valley right now. If you are, can I encourage you, just as Peter does here, cast all your anxieties upon him because he is guiding you. He is leading us. He is caring for you. So let me leave you just with a few questions uh, to ponder uh, and some applications uh, to think through from uh, these through uh, few thoughts uh, about shepherding from 1 Peter 5 and elsewhere. I wonder if you find yourself in a place of feeling that you want to repent from wrong motives in your grumbling against leaders. Now, there is a place for accountability with our leaders, times where we can ask them, uh, ask them questions, actually times when they uh, do things that aren't right that we do need to challenge them on. But, you know, there is a line that we can cross where that sort of accountability can become something more sinful and sinister. Uh, it can become not only grumbling but factions and division. I wonder if there's anything there that you need to repent of. Uh, if there is, may the Holy Spirit convict you of that now. There might be something that you need to repent of there. Think, think, think on that and, and repent if there is. Uh, perhaps um, a good application for you might be to confess your submission uh, to an elder or a pastor. Uh, to confess uh, thanks to an elder, to honor them for the work that they do in, in leading you. Maybe it's been a while since you've thought about the role that they play in your life and the life of your church. Uh, and so you, yeah, why don't you spend some time thinking around how you can honor them and thank them uh, for their leadership? There is also uh, an application for us, uh, particularly if you're carrying anxieties. So what worries and stresses are you carrying right now that you need to give to Jesus? Uh, do you feel like your life is in this dry valley? Maybe for you to take some time uh, praying, reading through and praying, Psalm 23 would be really beneficial. Uh, fill your mind with thinking about Jesus as your good shepherd 
who leads you through uh, hard and dark places to a place of refreshment and to quiet waters. I pray that God may bless you richly as you do. And I pray that you may know Jesus as your chief and good shepherd today.